There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> okay. Lars, how do you pronounce Mikkel's name? Mikkel Bol Biasu. Mikkel Bjorg. Bjorgs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like my brain is like racing today. I will slow it down. I need some like berry white in here. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Helen Holliman, and welcome back to our Copenhagen series of Munchies the Podcast. Today, we're talking to the mad genius behind one of Denmark's greatest exports, McKellar Beer. The word prolific gets thrown around a lot. Ten years ago, in 2006, Mikkel was teaching physics to Danish high schoolers when he started experimenting with homebrewing in his kitchen. He was good at it. Like, really good at it. Now, fast forward to 2016, and in that time, he's crafted nearly a thousand different beers, quickly ascending to his throne as king of the beer nerds. Historically, Denmark has been known for pale, light pilsners. Carlsberg, the one in the green bottle, is probably the best-known example. But Mikkel totally flipped the script on Danish beer and built his reputation on pushing existing styles to their limits. He emphasizes new ingredients and he takes risks that force us to reimagine what a beer can actually be. He never stops experimenting, and I think that's what makes his products really special. So since I'm here in Copenhagen, I'm catching up with Mikkel over a pint at the Rosen Gardens Bodega. Equal parts dive and classic English pub. It's what the Danish call a brown bar. The walls here are stained with a hundred years of tobacco smoke. And if you looked closely at the walls, you'd actually see some conspicuous small holes. A Nazi snitch was shot dead here in 1944, and a bullet is still stuck in the wall. It's kind of cool and also kind of gnarly, but this bar has serious history. It feels like the right place to meet a brewer who totally changed the course of Copenhagen's beer culture. Oh, somebody's ringing the bell. Oh, nice. What happens when you ring the bell? Uh, somebody will be notified that there's a customer at the bar. <laughs> it's my kind of service. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have another one. That's Lars Hinnerskoff Eriksson, our Munchies Denmark editor. I used to live in London for many years, and I quite liked the fact that people sort of went out after work to the pub for a few hours, and you sort of came home at a reasonable time. Living in Copenhagen reasonable time is much later here I find there's quite um, a liberal um, drinking culture I'd say you have bars that can pretty much stay open 24 hours or at least they'll supplement each other so once the one bar closes at five the next one will be opening straight away um, and it's not that it turns into complete debauchery in some of these places it's kind of a nice like in these like a bodega that we're sitting in now you normally get a really good mix of, you know, people who obviously c- 
come here for years and years who might not have many other things to do in their daily lives but to sit in a bodega and there are you know you'll meet politicians you'll meet actors you'll meet families and i think that's the energy that i really and the synergy that i really like about these places um and a lot of students who might not be able to afford going to like a really trendy bar they'll come to bodegas because they can buy a beer for 20 kroner for three dollars they can play dice they can relax and and it, i think the locals enjoy that aspect as well i think you'll find that nine out of ten people would order a classic uh, pilsner of the czech uh, variety like the classic uh, one that carlsberg i suppose has been making here for years um and i think up until maybe 10, 15 years ago, nobody really questioned that too much. You know, you might get people who brought in a Guinness once in a while, or had, you know, attempts at making a stout or, a, you know, Christmas lager that was a bit more rich or something. But then it's just completely changed in the last decade. Beer's become something that people acknowledge as being as worthy as wine for food and, and has turned us all into crazy beer snobs. <laughs> Well, cheers. Cheers. Cool. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good, yeah. Cool. <laughs> people actually call me Mikela. It's kind of funny. And people that don't know, like, that I don't know, and if they meet me, they think my name is Mikela. I hear that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Even one of my employees' daughters, she calls, she thinks that my name is Mikela. <laughs> well, so, how many beers at this point, styles, have you brewed in your life? Um, I, I I actually just I don't know why I just I just saw the number today and there's a, there's a website called ratebeer.com which is a place where people rate beer and it, that I mean that's I don't keep track but they they pretty much keep track of everything because every time we release a new beer somebody will rate it somebody will, will put it into the database and then it'll rate it and a lot of those beers obviously are a spin-off of I mean one cake of something that we made for a festival and stuff like that but but I just I, I haven't been on that side for half a year but I just I don't know what I, why I did that today but it said 908 different beers from Mikella. so that's, that's pretty much somebody somebody like took 908 different beers and put it into the database and on rate beer so I guess that's that's a minimum number it could be more that somebody didn't see, but we also have some beers we never re released that we will release at some point. But yeah, so maybe 950 or something. And you're in over 40 countries now? Yeah, 50 maybe. Just in 2003, when I started home brewing, um, I had been drinking craft beer from, from Danish and, and American breweries for, for, for a few years. And then I thought in 2003 we were fun to, to, to start home brewing and just to explore that world and I did and it, it and I I did call on to me really quickly and I was brewing like the first year pretty much every weekend I was brewing in my kitchen and tanks like plastic tanks with fermenting beer everywhere and in my apartment and stuff like that and then a couple of years later I, I, I found that the beers that I brewed in my kitchen turned out really well, uh, at least I thought and my friend thought. Uh, so I thought a couple of years later that it would be fun to try and uh, to try and, and brew a little, little more and then get it out in, into the world and see if people liked it. Not not to create a business, 
I was a school teacher, but just to see get reactions on on my beer from people that I didn't know because if you if you give if you give a, a friend a, a homebrew, obviously he's gonna say it's a good beer because and he knows more is coming. Um, <laughs> so so it's kind of um, it's it, 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 I thought it would be more fun to to get people's reactions from people that I didn't know. So. I actually started brewing some of the the stuff I did in my kitchen. We started, I started distributing to different places uh, unofficially, um, and suddenly they turned up in 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 Japan and and this and the U.S. and everywhere. And people rated them on rate beer, um, and and got really really good reviews from stuff that I was, that I've made in my kitchen on a 50 liter 50 liter pot. So in the end of 2005, I thought, let's let's try and make it a little bit bigger. Um, but I, I was still a school teacher and I loved teaching, so I didn't want to invest. I didn't want to build my own brewery and invest a lot of money. So so I I thought there are breweries that have extra capacity. I'll just ask them if I can come and brew my recipes in their on their system, and and they they accepted. So I did. So the first the first of, of, of official beer I released in the beginning of 2006. Um, only 2,000 bottles of beer, and that was pretty much all—all all my risk and all—all I—all I had was those 2,000 bottles that I obviously had to pay for. But I knew that if I, if they didn't sell, I could just keep teaching. And it wasn't—it wasn't a dream to become like to to become a brewer and live live from and make a living from brewing and and do what I do today. But then. Yeah, we got I got some really good reviews for some of the beers, and everything just went pretty crazy from there. But what about here in, in Denmark? What was there much of a critical mass in terms of beer drinkers at that stage? Where it must have been a quite close knit community of people who were mm. who were into these uh, new styles of beer. Um, I, from the beginning, I thought I, I won't concentrate on the Danish market because it's impossible to sell. It's impossible to sell a double IPA, 9% double IPA, very fresh, very hopped, very bitter in the Danish market. It, you can sell it at our at, at Warpix, our brew pub, or at our bars, but not, you cannot sell it to the, to the masses. It's, it's impossible. People don't like that style and they don't know it. If you travel outside Copenhagen, I mean, we sell pretty much nothing still. Um, so I say I, I thought well the world is big, uh, it's seven billion people. Why not just why not try and, and 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 conquer the world instead of Denmark? So so and so the first, pretty much, as soon as we ha- I had beer ready, we started I started exporting to the states, because of the good rate rates uh, I got on rate beer, we got a lot of interest from the states and a lot of interest from a lot of countries around around the world. So. It started ex- exporting from from day one, and and still today, if if we don't count our own bars in in Denmark, we sell very very little beer in Denmark. We have a good name now in Denmark, but it's people don't just because people know Michele doesn't mean that they they buy and drink it, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, if they just come to our bar and try it once in a while, and it's it's fine with me. So thinking about, I mean, all the countries that you're in, what is a country that has one of the most unusual beer drinking cultures that you've kind of gone into and thought like, oh my God, how are we going to get either in here or something you didn't expect to find there? We have, we, we have a, I have a bar in Thailand, in, in Bangkok. And when, when, I, when we opened that three years ago, 
obviously craft beer is, is not a big thing in Thailand for for many reasons. Uh, first of all, it's it's people don't have a lot of money. Second, they it's pretty controlled. They have two big breweries that control the market, um, and importing beer is very expensive. Um, and third, it's it's a hot country. I mean, who would want to drink an imperial stout in 35 degrees Celsius? Uh, so when we moved into Thailand or to Bangkok with our bar. It was completely new. I mean, there was a few craft beer we had been importing for a little while, but very, very small. Um, and it's people just accepted it, and it's going really well out there, and it's just growing right now, which is, of course, is for me is, is extremely interesting to be able to to start something in a country, in a in a country, start something from scratch, and be one of the first ones. Um, and we have done similar in different different countries in Asia. How would you describe? The people that come into that bar in Thailand, who's your clientele? Mm. I mean, normally, uh, normally in, in in let's say Asia, a place like that would cater a lot to expats, to to white people living there and working. Which, if you go to Hong Kong, hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. For example, I'm going to a crafty bar. It's, it's pretty much only expats. It's not a lot of locals. But fortunately, and which is what we wanted as well, we 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 got a location in Bangkok, which is it's very non non central and non touristy. It's it's a place that you have to search out. You you can't. I mean, even taxi drivers they have no clue where it is when you when you ask them. It's an area where Thai people go out, um, which we which we did because we wanted Thai people to come to the bar. We didn't. I mean, I don't want to buy in Bangkok and have only Danish and, and Swedish people going there. Then it, I might as well just do another one in Copenhagen. We also have expats, of course, but we also have a lot of local people that that find this new thing interesting, and they want to try experience something new. And this this brewery from from Western Europe came over and did something, and and we talk about it, and 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 and, and we, we we pay a lot of attention to it, and 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 they like that. So we have young Thai girls coming in in groups drinking craft beer for the first time in their life. We also designed it in a way so it, it it caters to more kinds of people than just beer geeks so a men with big, big bellies and, and lot of lots of money. <laughs> Obviously it's expensive compared to but but people I think people also in Thailand are ready to pay more money for a good experience. A place in Asia with an interesting beer culture is North Korea. Oh yeah, we actually it's both North and South Korea. South Korea, we are, we is it's a very very good market for us. It's it's exploded this year like crazy. I mean, we we started exporting to South Korea two and a half years ago, and now it's just going completely mad. Korea, there's something about Korea that is really really strange in in a way of how they take Western things in, like pop stars and stuff like that. Obviously, South Korea and North Korea are pretty different. I've never been to North Korea, not yet. Um, but it's a place, f- 
for me, it's a very interesting place in terms of of being able to to. Tr- I mean, if I, w- I mean, it's a dream for me to go to North Korea and and change something. And and when I say change something, it's obviously with beer because that's what I do. Um, I think it's possible. It'll be it'll be a different experience. I'm I'm working on it right now, and I mean I mean, if I could do something to the North Korean people that they would enjoy, I would be very happy. I thought I think that would be a, a, a great opportunity for me as well to do something f- that for people that. I would never expect to to be able to do something for. So my big my big dream right now is to go to to North Korea and and make a beer, a beer that that they have never seen before, and then and and have people drink it. But is it more than a dream? Have you actually? Is there any way in that you looked into? Is there? A yep, I'm 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 working on it right now. It's 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 not going to be easy. It's not like like going. I've I have brewed in at least 30 different countries around the world, and this this will definitely be the hardest one to to make it happen but it's it's something that I I'm, I'm I want to work on and and I and I have some good connections right now with people that can make it happen well, I mean you pioneer gypsy brewing can you talk about what it's like to go into a brand new country and brew beer with people that you've never met who have palates that are unlike your palate you know how do you go in and try to go in with the plan mm. Every time I, I I I brew with some somebody that I haven't brewed with before, I the first thing I do is always to taste the beers that they're brewing because it's it's important for me to know first of all how skilled are they obviously and and also what what style of beers do they usually produce and when I've done that, I mean every every brew I do with somebody else. For me, it's important that I I learn from them and they learn from me. It's I I don't I don't just brew with people just because then I can put their name on on, on a label and that's that's it. Um, so it's to learn from them and and hopefully they'll learn from me as well. Um, so we communicate a lot about recipes and we communicate a lot about local ingredients, local culture. Like like recently I brewed a, a beer in a, in Israel for the first time with a with a very good. And very, very a nice, very nice brewer in uh, in Israel, um, and and I'd, and we did we made a beer which will be something that has that will be different from what have ever been brewed in Israel before, um, but we we brewed it with respect to Israeli culture and, and ingredients. So we used ingredients from Israel and uh, and his knowledge in in the market and stuff like that. So I learned a lot from that, and I hope you learned a lot from me as well. So, I mean, walk me through. You land. Where were you in Israel? I actually, I actually, I actually stayed in Israel for six weeks okay. uh, in Jerusalem um, in in May and uh, and June this year with my family, and uh, not not to work. I did work on that, but not to brew. And then I got in contact with this guy. He he he. This this brewer. I, I've heard about him, but but never met him before. And then he contacted me and and said, "Do you want to come see my brewery?" And I did, and tasted his beers, and and we ended up brewing um, a little bit north of Tel Aviv. Um, and we, it was fun. It was it, it's it, it it's a very different approach to to when I brew in in the states or in 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 Western Europe. Um, but it's also, I mean, it's it's interesting. 
because for me because I feel that I can contribute with something completely new. Uh, we brewed and actually as, as it's a it's a stout, it's a milk stout lactose, which makes it not kosher. I'm sorry, um, but with lactose, honey, and oranges. Israel, you call it the the land of milk and honey. So I wanted to use lactose milk and then honey, local yeah. honey, and then and and then oranges because there's a lot of oranges in Israel. Um, and and the beer is is a lot. It's strong. It's it's powerful. It's viscous, and it's it's just very different from what you normally drink. It's very hot in Israel, so they don't have a lot of of those high alcohol strong beers. But I think I think it turned out excellent, and and I'm pretty sure people will love it down there. At least a little a little group of people. Will. Like, how would you describe the beer geek today? We have, or I have, a, a, a love hate relationship with beer geeks. Um, they 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 are very important for when spreading the word of of somebody like me in the beginning. Um, as I said, we we got a very a lot of attention from all over the world because of Raid Beer, and Raid Beer are completely beer geek oriented. It's only for beer geeks. The more rating, I mean, there are people on Raid Beer that rate forty thousand different beers. It's pretty pretty beer geeky. Um, so obviously, I love them for that, for 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 liking my beers and spreading the word and talking about it and and stuff like that. Um, but they're also they also in some ways are holding things down because they they care a lot about I mean as soon as you and it's like probably like that in all areas of of, of the world of, of, of life but as soon as you be, you as soon as you, you you don't only concentrate on 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 making them happy you are, you you have become uh, big and commercial and then they tend to like you less I mean I'm, I'm sure that Beforehand, if if somebody like in the beginning, if 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 a Danish beer he tasted one of them beers, he would probably rate it a little bit higher because he was he was proud that this is from Denmark. Well, I think it's the opposite now because those Mikula guys they're so big now and everybody you can buy it everywhere and stuff like that. And 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 beer geeks are pretty hardcore. I mean, they they if 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 some something new turns up, they just go to the new new guys. I mean, if, if a new brewery t- turns up next door and 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 you've become a little bit too big, they, they just go to the next ones. Not saying I think we still have a good good hold on 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 that world because we we keep developing and we keep inventing new things and we keep making interesting beer. I mean, the beers that I do today are at least as interesting, extreme, bold uh, as they were 10 years ago. People would beer geeks would say different because now we are a lot bigger and we, we make a hundred times more beer, but there is no different. I concentrate as much on quality, as much on on on, on developing new st- new things and on on being first in in everything I do. So I'd say the most interesting and most strange one, funny one, it was obviously in Japan, which doesn't surprise anybody. And and you can't, I wouldn't call this person, uh, this girl, a beer geek, but she, but she obviously liked beer a lot. She was she was crying like crazy <laughs> because in front of me because pretty much what she said is I love your beer so much, and she was just she just couldn't stop crying and her and her her friends was just they were like oh it's a, it's it's okay and but she just kept crying and, and hugging me and stuff like that which is 
something you would expect being a rock or like a pop star, but not as as a, a brewer from Denmark. Um, we have had we have actually there are two two people, one in Canada and one in um, in Singapore, I think it is, that named their their kids Mikela. There there is a Canadian boy called Mikela, and there is a, a boy in in Singapore called Mikela. It's not creepy. It's it's a big honor, obviously, but it's also, it's also it's it's uh, it's strange. It's. Do you think they were conceived by your <laughs> beverages or? Probably, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, I mean, yeah, I guess. Um, it's it's strange. I mean, it's also strange to see a picture of somebody who just gave birth and are in the hospital bed with a one 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 hour old uh, daughter or son, and then sitting there with a Michaela beer. I'm celebrating with this. Beer. It's 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 a big honor, obviously. But there's a lot of things that I would not have expected ten years ago. Um, Thank you so much to Mikkel for getting a drink with us and sharing beer wisdom. And I'm really sorry that I've been butchering your name this entire episode. His products are available in over 40 countries now, so chances are you'll actually be able to get a taste if you haven't done so already. Thanks so much to Lars Hennerskopf Eriksson, our Munchies Denmark editor, and to Phil Domahovsky, our amazing podcast producer. On the next episode of Munchies the Podcast... Snake meat is much better. Yeah. I have tried a lot. But I mean, when you go there, you have to try. So I mean, some of the most crazy thing I have tried is actually in Vietnam when I was young. <laughs> Check back in two weeks when we'll continue our Copenhagen Chronicle with Denmark's queen of Vietnamese food, An Lee. So until then, get all of our delicious Munchies content over at munchies.tv. Hit us up at Munchies on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook too. And if you like the show, show us some love by rating it on iTunes. It actually really, really does help us out, believe it or not. I'm Helen Holliman. I'll catch y'all soon. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.